Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The despair and the anguish is still deep. What changed for David? The answer to that question is the same for David as it is for the many like him in Scripture who found themselves in such a place. And you might be in this place. And again, I want to encourage you. God loves you. God sees. God hears. God cares. God knows. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching a special series related to the global coronavirus pandemic. Have you ever been so discouraged you just felt like giving up on what you know God has called you to do? Well, you're in good company because many of the greatest disciples of Jesus walked through the same type of trial. Today, Pastor J.D. will be reminding you that God's promises are true regardless of your circumstances. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 6, as he begins his message, How Long, Lord? So I have a message of hope. I hope that you'll be encouraged, and I want to draw your attention to Psalm 6. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4, but before I do, I want to kind of give you the backstory. It's a Psalm of David. It's uh, one of those Psalms where David just pours out his heart, opens up his heart, whatever it is that he's going through. I mean, it is so bad. And I mean, he he talks about how that he just cries all night. He soaks his pillows with his tears. He is in total and utter anguish and cannot get a grip emotionally. And interestingly, we're not told what it is. Of course, there's much in the way of speculation, but I am of the belief that it's by God's design that we don't know what the specific situation was that David was in that would bring him to this place of complete and utter and total despair. And the reason I believe that is because were we to know what it was specifically, and we couldn't relate to that because we had never gone through anything like that, then we're going to be dismissive of that. And in a way, God is keeping it generic so that we in our own Christian lives can sort of fill in the blank with our own trials, our own difficulties. So I want to read verse 3 and 4. David is just pouring his heart out, and he says, My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? And then in verse 4, he cries out to the Lord, and he says, Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. That's interesting in and of itself, because the basis upon which 
David cries out to the Lord for deliverance from whatever this is, as hard as this is, this deep anguish of the soul, this dark passage of the night, this total and utter despair. The basis upon which he pleads and cries out to the Lord is on the basis of God's love for him. I want to say to you tonight that God loves you. He loves you so much. And I I know that sounds like a firm grasp of the obvious. We know God is love. But what if I said it to you like this, God likes you. It's sad that we live in a day and an age when the word like has more weight to it than the word love. I think the word love has been so cheapened and overused that it's lost the impact and the power of its meaning. And so when I say something like, God likes you, God's not angry at you, God loves you so much. And here David is in this deep anguish and this trial, and he's crying out to the Lord, and he's asking the Lord, how long, Lord, how long, how long? Psalm 6 is one of my favorite psalms. I know I say that about all the psalms, but this one in particular, I do have my favorites, and Psalm 6 is right at the top of the list, and for a number of reasons, not the least of which is because of how the psalm begins and how the psalm ends. And I'll explain what I mean by that. It's actually a a relatively short psalm, and I, I think you understand a psalm is a song, and this particular song was penned by David, who we affectionately refer to as the sweet psalmist of Israel. But there are a number of psalms, and Psalm 6 is one of them, where David starts out, and I mean he is in utter despair and deep anguish. But by the time you get to the end of the psalm, he completely changes his tune. And what's interesting is his perilous circumstances have not changed. But by the time he gets to the end of the psalm, David has changed. The circumstances, the trial is still as difficult as it was at the beginning. So (laughs) the question is, what happened? If the circumstances are still the same, the trial is still difficult, the despair and the anguish is still deep. What changed for David? The answer to that question is the same for David as it is for the many like him in Scripture who found themselves in such a place. And you might be in this place, and again I want to encourage you, God loves you, God sees, God hears, God cares, God knows. I think about the Apostle Paul. Of all people, the Apostle Paul, who in Acts 27 also changed in the midst of perilous circumstances, a perilous storm that 
had not yet changed. Yet he changed. The storm was still raging, and it was continuing on very long. I want to read verse 20 in Acts 27. Now, I should probably give you a little bit of the backstory here again as well. Uh, Paul is with Luke and Aristarchus, and they're on this prisoner ship headed for Rome because God had told Paul that he would stand trial before Caesar. So he ends up as a prisoner on this ship. They set sail against Paul's advice. (laughs) Paul is, this is not, as we're going to talk about in a moment, this is not Paul's first rodeo, as we say. And he warns them against setting sail. He encourages them to wait, but they didn't listen to him. They set sail anyway, and here they are. And then this storm hits, this Eurachlodon storm. I I suppose it would be fair to say in comparison, it would be like a category five hurricane, uh, likened unto what we call in our day, the perfect storm, which we had many years ago. That's the kind of storm he's in. And so Luke is writing by the Holy Spirit, recording this. And he says, verse 20, Acts 27, when neither sun nor stars, which by the way, that's how they navigated their way, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. How many? We don't know. But I think it's safe to say this was for a very long time. This storm to me, when I see it through the eyes of the Apostle Paul, must have been so bad because of the strength of it and the length of it combined. And so for many days, they've already thrown cargo overboard to lighten the load on the ship. And so for many days, and yet the storm continued raging. And listen to what Luke writes, and I want you to pay particular attention to this next word. He says, we. Who's we? Everybody on board, including Paul, Luke himself, everyone on board, we finally, after all this time, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Wow. This must have been really bad. And you know what's interesting? Paul, at this point, had already been shipwrecked three times. Again, this was not his first rodeo, not his first shipwreck. He was a pro when it came to being shipwrecked. And now in this storm, he knows he could write the next chapter. He knows what's going to happen. Here's another shipwreck. Only this time, Paul has resigned himself to the reality that this is it. He's not going to survive this one. But we have a problem. 
because Paul was told prior that he would go to Rome, that he would stand before Caesar. He would stand trial before Caesar as a Roman citizen. That was his right. And he was granted that right. And God told him, you're going to go to Rome and you're going to stand trial before Caesar. But now they hit this storm and Paul's like, well, maybe I didn't hear the Lord right. I know he told me that I would go to Rome, stand trial before Caesar, but this storm was so bad (laughs) that Paul, even after being shipwrecked three times, had given up all hope but God, as only he can, sends a reminder to Paul at night, at the very time that Paul and everyone on board had given up. And we have that in verses 23 through 25 of Acts 27. So here's Paul now, and he says to everyone on board, everyone, it's just a matter of time. And he says, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. Now why would the angel of the Lord say that to Paul, do not be afraid, unless Paul was afraid? Why do I point that out? Because it gives me great encouragement to know that the Apostle Paul, we're talking about the Apostle Paul here, that he too experienced fear. And he was afraid. And so the angel of the Lord says to him, do not be afraid. And now he's going to tell him why. And it's a much needed reminder of the promise that God had made to him. I think that for us, and I I don't think that God faults us for this. He knows that we need to be reminded of his goodness, reminded of His promise. And so he reminds Paul of the promise. And he says, you must stand trial before Caesar. And it gets better. God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. Now he's going to go on to tell them that, uh, but <laughs> we are going to, we are going to wreck, and the ship is going to be lost, but not one of us will be lost. And so we're going to have to uh, crash and run ashore. We will lose the ship but we will be saved. So keep up your courage. Okay, here's where I'm going with this. Paul, like David, think this through with me, both had a prior promise from God that they had to be reminded of when they were going through a difficult trial. Isn't it true that when you're in the heat of the battle, you're going through that 
difficult trial, the promises of God are so distant and far removed because we're so wrapped up in the difficulty that we're going through. So God is faithful. And you have to understand that David, again, whatever it was that kept him up all night, crying all night, weeping all night, soaking his pillows with his tears, just pleading with God, begging God, how long? I don't, I don't know how much longer I can go on. He had this promise prior that he was going to be the king of Israel. And in the darkest, it's been said, don't forget in the dark what God showed you and promised you in the light. And it seems that both David and Paul and many others with them and like them had done just that. The adversity strikes. And what happens? You start doubting. You start doubting the the promise of God. Not only was David promised that he would be and was anointed as a young teenager to be the next king of Israel, he would also not only sit on the throne, it would be from his lineage that the Savior of the world, Jesus the Christ, would come. He has that promise. But whatever this was, and some suggest they speculate against, speculation abounds that this might have been during the time when his son, whom he loved so much, Absalom, had rebelled against him and had this coup that came against him. For those of you who were with us when we were studying through the Old Testament and we got into First and Second Samuel, I mean, there were some narratives that were really hard to just even read them, let alone teach and study them. But can you imagine that Absalom, his, his son whom he loved, David would say, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. He gave specific orders to his military commander, Joab, to not kill him. He disobeyed that, and he did kill Absalom. But Absalom did the unthinkable. But David, at that point, was given the promise that the Messiah would come. And yet in that trial, like Paul, in that storm, the promise he had from God, all of a sudden now you're starting to doubt it. And I mean, I could go on. There's a list. Like We could talk about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, as he's called. He's sitting in prison. And he's starting to doubt now. So he sends message, a message to Jesus asking him, are you the, the one or is there another one coming? This is John the Baptist we're talking about here. Even he was given to doubt, prone to doubt the promise and the goodness of God. I, I think maybe one of the reasons I'm kind of over 
emphasizing this is because if someone like David, a man after God's own heart, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the Apostle Paul, John the Baptist, if, if men like these could have these times in great darkness, in utter despair, where they start doubting the promises of God that are yea and amen, then how much more? And again, I don't ever imagine that God faults us for that or holds that against us. I think it was Oswald Chambers who once said that God never faults a man for despair. So here's Paul. (laughs) He's reminded now of the promise, and so he holds on to that. He's encouraged. He tells the men on on board the ship to have courage. We are going to run ashore. We are going to be shipwrecked, but not one of us is going to perish. And who knew, God knew, that they would run aground on the island of Malta. And you know what happened, right? The islanders on Malta end up being saved. Had it not been for that shipwreck, those islanders would not have been saved. And by the way, back to this promise that he must stand trial before Caesar. Listen to what he wrote at the end of his letter to the church in Philippi. It's recorded in Philippians chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. He's now closing the letter, and he says, All God's people here send you greetings, especially those, listen, who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. In other words, oh, he made it to Rome. Oh, he stood trial before Caesar. And oh, by the way, spoiler alert, the household of Caesar, those there with Caesar in the palace, they get saved. Well, you probably know where I'm going with this, so I'll get right to the point and we'll bring it in for a close. We too have a promise from God, don't we? It's really a twofold promise, and stay with me. First, we have the promise, the Word, God's Word, and God cannot go back on His Word. He's given us His Word. Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor JD at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. 
Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor J.D. and our church staff in your prayers, asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 